All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning here at my house Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be uh, continuing our teaching this morning on the compassion of Jesus, but we're actually going to go to part two of this, which is uh, talking about how to receive a miracle. I introduced this a few weeks ago, almost a month ago now, and so we're going to go to part two of this uh, kind of detour that we've been on the last few weeks on talking about how to receive a miracle. So this will be a How to Receive a Miracle Part 1, and we will probably have at least two parts to this uh, with next week as well. And then we'll have a Christmas message uh, on Christmas Sunday, and then we will go to the New Year uh, in January. But anyway, uh, with that said, all, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org in the top right, top right corner, top hand, top hand right hand, the top right corner. Excuse me, I couldn't get that out. Uh, it says give. It's highlighted in blue. Hit that button, and you can give them anywhere around the world. Uh, if you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom foot of every page is our web website address. Excuse me. On the bottom of every page is our mailing address. Excuse me. Um, Stumbled with my words this morning. And so, um, if you're giving from the United States, just so you know, your tax donations are 100% uh, tax deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. So, with all that advertisement out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. Uh, this is uh, we're talking about how to receive a miracle this morning, and we. Kind of introduced this a few weeks ago. I took a detour from our message talking about such a great salvation, which we haven't completely finished yet. So uh, in January we'll finish that up, and then we'll get to some new territory. But um, uh, we, like I said, uh, about a month ago, I started. I went to a detour. I thought it was just going to be one Sunday, and now it's been about a month now. We we started talking about the compassion of Jesus. Excuse me. We started talking about the compassion of Jesus, and uh, we, we spent a few weeks on that one, and then now we are going to go to part two of this, and that's, that's talking about how to receive a miracle. See, when we, when we talk about uh, the compassion of Jesus, we looked at several verses over the last few weeks on how Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, or when he saw certain people, whether it be a physical need, a financial need, uh, or just meeting the needs of the multitude to teach them and to heal their sick, he was moved with compassion. And we look at several verses like this one in Matthew 14, 14, as well as Mark 1, 41. This one's with regard to the leper that Jesus healed, and he was moved with compassion. He shut down his hand, and he touched him. So I'm not going to rehash all that, because we've talked about that, over, talked about that over the last few weeks and uh, and month. And so we, we're going to go to the new, new territory this morning. But as we were talking about the compassion of Jesus, we also mentioned last week how, how in Mark chapter 2, Jesus proposed a question. And he proposed a question to the religious leaders. He says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? What's easier? The miracle of being born again and your sins being forgiven? Or to say to someone, be healed in Jesus' name? Which is easier? What miracle, what healing, what manifestation of our salvation is easier to say for someone to be born again and their sins be forgiven, or to say 
receive your miracle, receive your healing, receive uh, whatever you need from God that's that included in your salvation. What's easier to say? Back in Jesus' day, when he walked the earth, it seemed to be easier to say, rise and take up your bed and walk, than what says your sins are forgiven. In our day, it seems to be easier to say your sins are forgiven than to say, be healed, receive your miracle. And we got it backwards, okay? And so uh, we're going to be dealing with some of that. So we're going to talk this morning about how to receive a miracle. And this whole concept, this whole title, I mean, some of you are probably excited about we're going to talk about miracles, but the whole concept of, of me proposing how to receive a miracle, as if there is such a way to receive a miracle, it's just foreign. It just it rocks your world. It, 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 in some of you, it, it just uh, it turns you. It might even turn you off because you're like, it doesn't work that way. Well, don't wake me up. Don't wake us up. You know, and some of the notes we're going to be sharing this morning come from Andrew Womack and his teaching and a, a, a teacher that we we follow very heavily in our ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to steal some of his notes on this, and and that's okay. Okay. Because uh, he based it all on the Word of God. But, you know, a lot of what I'm going to teach this morning, I've heard from different people who've had a healing ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. And flowing the gifts of doing miracles and different things, raising the dead, healing the sick, and other financial and other life journey miracles. I've heard the same thing from different people like uh, Dr. David Cho from South Korea. I've heard it from different uh, ministers like Kenneth Hagen and uh, um, I can't think of his name right now, Wigglesworth, um, and some other people who've had healing and miracle ministries. And those who are not seeing miracles and not seeing healings and not seeing the miraculous on a regular basis criticize those who are. And so those, if you're not seeing miracles on a regular basis and, you're, and you come across someone who is, who are you to criticize that it doesn't work that way when they're seeing miracles and you're not? Something's wrong with that picture. Okay. So uh, if you're not seeing miracles on a regular basis, then maybe maybe it just behooves you to maybe listen to see if you can gain something from this. Okay. And so I'll, I'll explain a lot of what I'm going to teach here in just a few moments as we go forward. But let me... Let me just get some uh, beginning notes here, and then, then we're going to get into some of my uh, what I my, my teaching material this morning. First of all, I introduced this, introduced this thought a month ago, but we're still in teaching on uh, such a great salvation and, uh, and uh, the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. And I introduced this thought that faith is a journey. It's a walk. We walk by faith. Okay? The just shall live by faith. It's a faith walk. It's a journey. Life is a journey. And along this life, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? And I have another teaching I'm not going to go into this morning, but I'll talk about how the miracles in the journey. You know, a lot of times we celebrate the birth of a child. And we say, What's, what, a, what a miracle. And yet it is a miracle. But when you think of a, the, miracle, the birth of a child, the miracle didn't take place when the mother went into labor and, the, and, 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 and gave birth to the, her son or daughter. The miracle took, has been taking place the last nine months in, in the womb. The miracle is in the journey. Okay? And so 
Uh, this is a word, the word that God gave me several years ago, and I, I taught on this. But a lot of times, the miracle that we're looking for is in the journey, not just the destination. Okay? The destination, many times, is the result and the benefit, the byproduct of that miracle. Uh, but the miracle actually is taking place in the journey. Just like a child, the miracle is taking place during that nine months as that, that, that baby is being born and created in her womb, the mother. And the, lab, the birthday uh, of that child is really the manifestation of all those miracles that have been taking place uh, over the last nine months. Okay, from conception to gestation to gener germination and all, all the different stages of, uh, of that process. Okay, a few other verses, and this is piggybacking on our financial, uh, uh, we're talking about prosperity, but in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, God said, Remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you the power to get well. We'll come back to this in a lot more detail later, uh, not so much today. But I wanna, what I want to highlight right now is that He may establish His covenant. <coughs> Why do I bring this up? Because we're talking about miracles this morning. And I believe the, mer the miraculous is part of our covenant relationship we have with God. God wants to establish His covenant. Yes, he gives us power to get wealth, and we touched on that. We're going to touch on that again in, in January when we come back to this. And I might even mention it again this morning. But we have a covenant relationship with God. And in January, when I'm done teaching on such a great salvation, when we get back to that and finish that up and how it relates to prosperity, I want to spend some time talking about our covenant relationship with God. We have a covenant relationship with God, okay? Also, I want to pick you back on another verse from 2 Corinthians 9 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. This was the verse that, that kick started in my own heart, my own spirit, to take this little rabbit trail talking about the compassion of Jesus and talking about uh, how to receive a miracle. This was a verse that just birthed this thought. Yeah, I need to spend some time on this because I believe we can always have all sufficiency in all things that we may have abundance in every good work. I believe we can always have everything we need to do everything God has call, called us to do uh, for uh, to do to have all sufficiency we need for all things. And, 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 and sometimes part of that sufficiency and that abundance requires a miracle. Okay? And because we have a miracle-working God, and we have the fullness of God in us, and we're going to get tap into that in just a few moments. The verse also goes on to say, in verse 10, How may he who, how may he who supplies seed to the sower, <coughs> excuse me, and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. In other words, uh, and I... I could spend a lot more time on this than I did about a month ago. But, excuse me. But I'm using this as a segue again going into, as we're going to talk about this morning, how to receive a miracle. I believe, and I'm going to teach this morning, how that you can, you can believe God for specific things that you need in your life, in your ministry, to do what God's called you to do, to be who God's called you to be, and to, to, to fulfill the will and covenant of God in your life, okay? But as we're talking about how to receive the miracle, I want to, I want to keep the, we want to keep the main thing the main thing, okay? God is the source, not you. 
not me. God's the source. Okay? It's based on the Word of God. It's based on the nature of God. It's based on the salvation of God. But God is the source. God is our supply. He's the miracle-working God, not you and not me. He's the miracle. Okay? And, but at, with that in mind, that we can, we can ask for specific things, and God is our source, okay, and He's our supply for everything that we need for life and godliness. This proposes some questions. <coughs> and one of those questions is, do you have a need? Right now, in your situation, in your ministry, in your life, do you have a need? Do you have a dream that God, God birthed that dream and it was in seed form? You can see that, that, that dream in your heart. And he wants that dream to, to gestate and to germinate into uh, his, his purpose and his plan for your life. He has a destiny for your life. But sometimes when we have a, even though God has a destiny for our life, sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, sometimes uh, when we have a dream and a purpose for our life, sometimes we need some miracles along the way. They get that dream in, in motion, okay? Another way of looking at this, and this goes with our previous series, do you have a compassion to meet a need? It's part of your dream and purpose to meet other people's needs. But you don't, you don't in your own willpower, and your own strength, and your own natural resources, you can't meet those needs. In other words, do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle for yourself? Do you need a miracle for somebody else? Do you need a miracle to do what God's called you to do? Then let's do that. Let's talk about how we can get a miracle to glorify God, not glorify you, not glorify me, but glorify Him and bring honor that's due to His name. Okay? He is a miracle working God. He is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. And let's magnify and let's exalt the name of Jesus by doing some miracles in our midst, in our families, in our workplace, in, in places where God has planted us. Okay? So that we can show the compassion of God, so we can show the glory of God, we can show the nature of God to a world that needs Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. So, do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle just like Jesus did when he was feeding the multitudes twice? And we saw in the previous weeks when Jesus fed the multitudes, he actually told his disciples to feed the people. He actually told his disciples to perform the miracle. Not him. Jesus expected his disciples to perform a miracle on both occasions. He ended up doing it. God's a source, not the disciples. But they had been walking with him long enough that they should have, according to Jesus, if Jesus expected them to do it, they could do it. Okay? And so, do you need a miracle? Just like the healing ministry of Jesus. Jesus says, the works that I did, you can do also, because I go to the Father. Anything you ask in my name, I, I will do it. He said that before he went to the cross. Okay? Do you need a miracle like Elijah and the widow, or Elisha and, and the widow in her life? Do you need a miracle? <coughs> where, let's go with Elisha and the widow, where uh, she needed a miracle. And the miracle that took place in her life is that the oil, the little oil that she had, was multiplied. So that she could pay off her debts. And her and her son can live off the, off the increase. 
Do you need, are you in debt? Are you in financial trouble? Then if God can do a miracle in Elisha's day, excuse me, and that's an Old Testament, how much more can he not do a miracle in our day? We are in a better covenant. And we, through the finished work of the cross, and through the power of the Holy Spirit here in the new covenant, how much more can we not have a miracle to pay off our debts to do what God's called to do? Okay? And then, uh, uh, like Elisha, God told him to go to a place called there. You can read that in the book of Kings. Okay? And uh, God called him to go to a place called there. And God sent ravens to feed him and to meet his needs. Do you need some God to send you some ravens? Do you need God to send you some manna? Do you need God to bring some water out of a rock? Do you need God to part some red seeds for you? Do you need some miracle? Do you need a miracle to do what God's called you to do to get you out of a situation that you're in, whether you caused it or someone else caused it or your government caused it? We we have a God of miracles. Do you need a miracle like Peter did? He had Peter has several fishing stories in, in his life. The first time he met Jesus, and after after he he messed up big time, denied Jesus three times. Jesus came and did a miracle for the second time and gave him the best fishing day, fishing story of his life. Uh, a net breaking, boat sinking load of fish. And when he went home to tell his wife what kind of fishing day he had, he had the best fish story of all. Okay? <coughs> Keep in mind that fishing was Peter's vocation, that was his livelihood, that was his occupation. Do you need a miracle in your business? Do you need a miracle in your life and your finances? Do you need a miracle? Do you need a reminder that God is God and He is on the throne? And He, do you need a miracle? I mean, not only was G Peter astonished, but all the people who were with him were astonished at the miracle that took place in Peter's life. I want God to be. A, I want people to be astonished what God does in your life, what God does in my life. The world should be astonished at what's going on in the church. Okay, and so uh, we want to we want to talk about. So what we're going to talk about again this morning. We're going to talk about how to receive a miracle. And some of you might have never heard of this before. Again, I'm going to be using a lot of notes from Andrew Womack. Okay, this morning on this because I think he's taught this well, and I'm just going to be really echoing his teaching this morning. Okay, so I could easily just show his his video or whatever and, and come that way. But I didn't feel led to go that direction, so I'm not. I'm going to do it the way I feel God leading me to go. Okay. So first of all, let's describe what a miracle is. A miracle is a supernatural invention of God. And let me say this: all of us have needed a miracle from time to time in our life. If nothing else, salvation, becoming born again, is the greatest miracle of all. You can't do. You can't get saved naturally. All of us got saved supernaturally. Being born again is a miracle, and it's the greatest miracle of all. So we've all needed a miracle. But it says in His Word, I don't have this verse on the screen this morning, but in Romans chapter eight, and I'm going to paraphrase this: If God did not withhold His Son, how much more will He not give us all? That, I mean that that we that's almost enough verse right there, enough scripture that we can just go home right with that. 
way they would have. If Jesus did not, and I'm paraphrasing this, did not withhold his own son to give us the greatest miracle of all, salvation, how much more will he not give us all things? Okay? Yet most Christians don't know how to receive a miracle from God. Okay? So don't feel bad if you're, this is just uh, like, how come I've never been taught this before? I don't know why you haven't been taught this before. But most Christians don't know how to receive a miracle. Okay? And I don't, let me just say this. Don't wait until you're in the middle of the storm to ask for a miracle. Or, or let me rephrase that. Don't wait until you're in the middle of the storm to learn how to receive a miracle. Because during a storm, your emotions can get involved. And your emotions can help, will cancel out your faith. If you're going to learn how to receive a miracle in the midst of the storm, your emotions might be so involved in that storm that your emotions will cancel your faith in the midst of that storm. So it's good to learn how to receive a miracle before you need a miracle so that you, you, you can harness your emotions from getting in the way. Does that make sense? Okay. Now when we talk about a miracle, we also have to understand there's a difference between a blessing and a miracle. Okay. A miracle, again, is a supernatural invention of God in a crisis situation. But a blessing is still God's power, but it flows through natural channels. Okay? In other words, in my, in my opinion, <coughs> excuse me, blessings are better than miracles. Walking in blessing, living in blessing, is better than receiving a miracle. There's nothing wrong with a miracle. Okay? But miracle, if you have a miracle, that means you are usually living from crisis to crisis. Who wants to live from crisis to crisis? See, it's better to be blessed with good health and don't need a miracle than to always need divine healing. It's better to walk in blessing and financial prosperity than to need a miracle to bail you out time and time and time again. Okay? God's will, I believe God's will for us is that we walk in divine blessing. Not from miracle to miracle. That doesn't mean it's wrong to get a miracle. Because sometimes we all need one from time to time. Okay? We will all need a miracle at some point in time in our life. Sometimes, just to simply jumpstart our faith. Receiving a miracle can simply jumpstart your faith. You start seeing blind eyes open. You start seeing God do a miracle in your life, your faith won't be the same anymore. Because that, 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 that testimony will be branded in your heart for the rest of your life. Okay? But if it wasn't for miracles, even though blessings I believe are better, we wouldn't grow to the point where we walk in the blessings of God. Let me say that again. If it weren't for miracles... Through the process of receiving miracles that jumpstart our faith, we wouldn't grow, mature, to the point where we walk in the blessings of God. In other words, miracles can be stepping stones 
to help us mature in trusting God so we're not living from miracle to miracle, where the miracles are stepping stones to jumpstart our faith and trust God so that we can walk in the blessing of God the rest of our days. And just because we're walking in the blessing of God doesn't mean there might not, might not come times where you need a miracle. Okay? I'm not downplaying miracles. I'm talking about that this morning. But we don't, we don't, shouldn't have to be dependent on miracles all of our days. Okay? Most Christians believe that God does miracles. I don't. Excuse <coughs> me. I haven't found many Christians who will argue that God doesn't do any miracles. Okay, because that's just foolishness. Okay, but simply, but most Christians simply believe God is able to do. Let me let me let me start over. Most Christians have believed that God does miracles, but simply believing God is able to do a miracle is not enough. Okay, you must know how to how to receive a miracle. Knowing God is able to do miracles is not enough. You need to know how to receive a miracle. And that's where some people lose me here. Because they're like, how, how, can, how can you teach how to receive a miracle? You're not God. No, but I'm born again. Okay? Many Christians just wish and hope it happens. You know, I, and when I say hope here, I'm not using the biblical definition of hope. Because the biblical definition of hope is a positive expectation of good. That's what hope means in the Greek. The positive expectation of good. But so many Christians, when they pray for a miracle, they're, they're, it's more wishful thinking. They're crossing their fingers. Okay? They're hoping it works this time. They're not sure, but they, in other words, most Christians don't think that there's a way to grab hold of a miracle and make those miracles happen. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. I believe the Word of God teaches us that we can receive a miracle, that we can Make, and lack of a better term, make a miracle manifest. Okay? Let me preface some of what I want to get to by saying some things. Why do I say this? One of the reasons I say this, and this is not the only reason, but I believe God is predictable. I believe God is very orderly. He's a God of order. Okay? He doesn't do one thing this time and another thing another time. God is consistent. Okay? God created the world, the heavens and the earth, and everything physical around us. Everything that's physical, all the science, all nature, all the systems that are in our world. God created all that order, the seasons, the um, how water evaporates. I don't know what that system's called again, uh, but all the systems that are in the world. God created all that order to take place. 
Okay? The physical world is very orderly. In the animal kingdom, in the plant kingdom, in the stars, in the skies, the, the solar systems, the world is very orderly. Gravity doesn't just work in the United States, but right now it's not working in India. No, God works the same way everywhere. God, the kingdom of God, has laws. There's laws. There's natural laws and there's spiritual laws. Okay? God is consistent. In other words, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said, I change not. God is the same. We don't have to wait. Is God in a good mood today? God is consistent. We have a covenant with God. And that covenant with God is consistent. Okay. And another verse, in other words, again, faith is a journey. Faith is a journey. And it says in Romans 3.27, where is boasting and is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Faith is a law. Faith doesn't just work any which way. Faith does not work on happenstance. Faith is a law. Like the law of gravity. Gravity works the same way, but a law, a natural law, a spiritual law, works the same way for everybody, everywhere, every time. Gravity, again, gravity is not working in the United States, but right now it's not working in Pakistan. Or, or gravity is not just working in Pakistan right now, but it's not working in Africa. The laws work everywhere, everybody, all the time. The faith works the same way for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's called the law of faith. Okay, so how do you receive a miracle from God? The first thing you got to realize is that, or you have to recognize, is that miracles are not just a hit and miss. Okay, you have you have to understand that you can tap into a miracle, and you can receive a miracle. You learn how do you do that? First of all, like I said, you, you, you've got to realize that miracles are not just hit and miss. But you, second of all, you have to learn the laws of the kingdom of God. And one of those laws, excuse me, is called the law of faith. It's a law. I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about the Levitical law. I'm not even talking about natural laws. <coughs> This is a spiritual law. And laws work the same way for everybody, everywhere, every time. And there's the laws of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is here. Jesus said, it's my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have the keys of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within us. And within that kingdom, there are laws. And when we cooperate with those laws, those laws will work Everywhere, every time. Gravity, the law of gravity works everywhere, every time. But you need to cooperate with that law. For it to work, 
the way it's designed to work. I am not saying, I am not saying, I am not saying you can make God do whatever you want. That is not what I'm teaching. So don't take what I'm saying and say, well, well Pastor, you're just saying you can do what you can make God do whatever you want. I did not say that. And it and that's not what I'm teaching. And if you say that's what I'm teaching, you're bearing false witness. Okay? I'm saying we must cooperate with the laws of the kingdom of God. And when we cooperate with the laws of the kingdom of God, it will work for everybody, everywhere, every time. God is turned on all the time. God is never turned off. God is never stuck. We are. God, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is turned on all the time. When you get turned on, you can see the power of God operate. When you get connected to the kingdom of God, when you get connected to God, when you operate in the law of faith and operate in the laws of God's kingdom, you will see the power of God work everywhere for everybody, everywhere, every time. God is always wanting to move on your behalf. God is for you. Jesus died for you. How much more will he not give you all things? God is a good, good Father. He's a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. God, <coughs> excuse me, God is not holding back. You and I need to work on our receiver. We don't need to work on God's transmitter. We need to work on our receiver. See, God desires for you to prosper. Psalm 35, 27. God's will is for you to be healthy. 3 John, verse 2. <coughs> Excuse me. God's will is for you to be above and not beneath. Deuteronomy 28. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the child. You are the people of God. Okay? In other words, <coughs> you are the one who's in control of how God's ability works in your life. God has made promises. God Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you and I, we control how much we allow God to work in our lives and through our lives. God doesn't control how much he's going to work in your life and not work in your life. You control how much you allow God to work in your life and through your life. It's God's ability. It's God's power. It's not yours. You don't have the power. You don't have the ability. God does. But you control how much you allow God to be God in your life. He's God. You're not. He has the power. You don't. 
He has the ability, you don't. He's the source, he's the supply. But, <coughs> excuse me, but you control how much you allow God to be God in your life. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying a prayer. And towards the end of that prayer, he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love. <coughs> Excuse me. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me just pause right there for a moment. Okay. Paul is praying here that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Christ. You know, we read over stuff like this, and we don't take time to pause and reflect what he just said. Paul is praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And how does he do that? Is he physically in there? No, he's in there by faith. That you're being rooted and grounded in love. That you may know the full dimension and comprehend the full dimension, the height, the width, the depth of his love. And he goes on to say that you know this love, this intimacy with God that surpasses intellectual knowledge. That you know what this word knows. There's two notes here. The <coughs> Excuse me. The first no is the same word that Mary used when she was talking to the angel Gabriel. How can this be since I've never known a man? Intimacy. Intercourse. Know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge. Intellectual knowledge. Knowing God loves you. And I just talked about this over the last few weeks. Knowing that he loves you is more important than you loving him. Because you can't love him. You can't love others. You can't have to operate in the compassion of Jesus until you know that he loves you. And when you know the love of Christ, not your love for Christ, but the love of Christ, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. When, it's through the love of Christ that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. How big is God? He doesn't say that you may be filled with part of God, but you might be filled with the fullness of God. If you read this verse in the Amplified, it says that you might be filled with overflowing with God Himself. If you have the fullness of God, if you have the fullness of God, what miracle? Can God, who is in you, not do? If you have the fullness of God, what miracle, what financial need, what physical need, what need that you have can God not fulfill when he ha you have his fullness on the inside of you? And he goes on to say, now to him, not you, to him who is able 
exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to, according to the power that works in us. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever ask or think, according to. Key phrase, according to. How does he do it? He does it according to his power, not your power, but his power that is working. It's not dormant. It's alive. It's active. That it works in you. He doesn't work outside of you. He doesn't work in despite of you. He works in us. Everything that we need, everything that we ask, everything we even think, he is able, but he is only able to do it according to the power that works in us. And we have that power, and that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and me to do exploits in his name. And when we don't believe that, that power is working in you, but he's not able to because you are not having faith. You think God's out there somewhere when he's in here. And he works through people. He works through his temple that he bought with his blood. That he redeemed for himself. And he filled us with his spirit so that we can do exploits in the name of Jesus. And we're waiting for God and he's waiting for us to wake up to who we are in Christ. You are the one who controls God's ability to work in your life. God doesn't. It's not your power. It's his power that works in you and works in me. Because everything God's able to do he does it according to the power that works in us. Okay? He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises, all the promises, not just some of the promises, all the promises of God in him are yes. God's not going to say no to something he already said yes to. He's not wishy-washy. All the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen. So be it. That's what it means. To the glory of God through who? Us. All the promises of God are already yes. They're already amen. To the glory of God through us. God wants to work through you. God wants to work through me. It's the same thing that he just said. It works in us. It works in us. We're the body of Christ. We're not just a body with no Christ. And Christ is not a Christ. Christ is not a headless body. Okay? Christ has a body. That's you and me. He's the head. You and, I go, you and I don't make a good head. We're not a head. We are members of the body. We're the body of Christ. God 
is glorified when his promises are manifested. God is not glorified when his church is as poor as a church mouse doing nothing. When we are just as sick and just as depressed as the world, God is not glorified. We are the head and not the tail. We are above, not beneath. Okay? God has chosen, but even though that's all true, God has chosen to never violate your will. God won't violate your will, and God won't violate my will. Okay? He's God. He's not a dictator. He's not a tyrant. Okay? God has chosen, but even though God has chosen not to violate your will, God has also chosen to flow through you and flow through me. God wants to channel all his power, all his love, all his ability through you and through me. Satan can't stop God's power. But you can. I can. By not cooperating with God. By not cooperating with the kingdom of God. God wants you to have a miracle. God wants you to perform miracles. But you have to stop waiting on God and start believing. We need to stop waiting on God to move, and we need to start moving with God. Okay? Now we get into the Christmas season, and one of the beauties of the Christmas season is talking about the virgin birth. And we'll be talking about this in a few more weeks, a couple more weeks on Christmas Sunday, which is two weeks, I believe, from the day. So um, I might have that, my dates wrong on that. But December 25th. Okay? And, which is Christmas Sunday. But when the, on that Christmas morn, when the sky lit up with the, the angelic hosts proclaiming the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, they said this. Actually, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wrong story. Same story, Christmas story. Sorry. Let me go back to Mary. Sorry, I thought I was going in a different direction with this. Pause, rewind. Okay? Still talking about the Christmas morn. But we're not talking about the angelic host talking to the shepherds. That will, we'll, we'll get there in a couple weeks. We're going to go to the ga a angel Gabriel talking to Mary. And when Mary, Mary had some questions, she just... She understood the birds of the beads. She understood how a woman gets pregnant. And she knew that she had done nothing to of the sort. And she had no intention to do anything of the sort anytime soon. Okay? And so she just had a natural question. She wasn't questioning the word of God. But she was asking how this might be. Since I never know the man. And this was the response the angel Gabriel told Mary. Was that she'd be conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would overshadow her. And she would conceive the child Jesus in her womb. 
How many know the male carries the seed, not the female? Jesus, reason why it had to be a virgin, it had to be, it had to be, uh, I don't have time to go into all this this morning, so open the door, but it, Jesus, Adam was the first Adam, born a natural seed, where Jesus is born an incorruptible seed, born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not come from the genealogy from a natural genealogy, did not come from Adam's seed. He came, he was born of, by the Holy Spirit, his seed. Adam was born of corruptible seed. Jesus was born of incorruptible seed. He's called the last Adam. Hopefully I didn't confuse you with uh, some of that, okay? But after Angel Gabriel told Mary how she would be conceived with Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, the Messiah. This was Mary's response. She said in Luke 138, And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. He said, Let it be unto me according to your word. I believe at the moment she said those words, Jesus was conceived in her womb by the Holy Spirit. I don't think he vacillated. I don't think he waited. I think it was done at that moment because by faith she took the word of God that was through the messenger Gabriel and she said, let it be unto me according to your word. And she received Jesus. And I believe that we all receive salvation the same way. When we hear the gospel, we believe the gospel, we are saved. When you read the book of Acts, you'll see that they heard the word of God, they believed the word of God, and were saved. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were saved. That's how you, when you read the book of Acts, that's the testimony you will see in every time someone got saved. Okay? You and I, we heard the gospel, we believed the gospel, and we were saved. When we believe the gospel, we might not use these words word for word. What we basically said, we heard the gospel, and we said, let it be to me according to your word, according to your gospel. And in that moment, when we believed it, let it be to me, let me receive Jesus, and... We believe that Jesus was born, and we were born again, born of the same incorruptible seed of Christ on the inside of us. And we became born again. Okay? The virgin birth, to me, I just said a little while ago, that being born again is the greatest miracle of all. And the, right with that is the virgin birth, because without the virgin birth, without Jesus, that we none of us can be born again. There was one virgin birth, there was not going to be a second virgin birth, okay? But the virgin birth was a great miracle. And he did it, how did he do it? With by his word, by believing his word, by receiving his word. That's how Jesus was conceived into Mary. Yes, it was by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit didn't do it without Mary's cooperation. Mary had to believe it. Mary had to receive it. Are you following me? Okay, hopefully you can't. You are. And when you read the scriptures, not just with the virgin birth of Jesus to Mary, but God did all his miracles by speaking his word. Okay? In Hebrews, we read about, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
God created the world. God created the heavens and the earth by the word of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be animals, and there were animals. God said, let there be monkeys, and there were monkeys. Okay? God said there would be kangaroos, and there were kangaroos. Okay? God, all the, how many of you know the, the creation story? How many of you love reading Genesis chapter 1? <coughs> God created a lot of things that were not visible. God did a lot of miracles in Genesis chapter 1. How did he do it? By his spoken word. How did Mary and Jesus be conceived, conceived inside Jesus? By the word of God. That being according to your word. Okay. It says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You and I, how many of you know that we're created in God's image? And we're created in his likeness? We're born of the same seed. Born again of the same seed, according to 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verse 23, I believe it is. It's actually my next verse coming up on the screen here in this moment. Okay. That you and I have the same power of life and death in our tongue. We have the keys of the kingdom. Whatever we down, we are down. Whatever we loose, we lose. We have the word of life. The same word that God created the world. <coughs> we have the the word of life in our tongue. Hopefully I'm making sense this morning. See, but many Christians, many Christians put prayer above all things. I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. So don't get me misunderstood this morning. But many Christians believe but prayer above all things. And believe that if you pray, it will happen. And in many ways, I think that's a good thing. I believe we should expect to receive the things that we pray for. Okay, I get it. I'll tap on that in just a few moments. But prayer, and there's many different angles I can go with this this morning. But prayer is like water and fertilizer that you put on a seed. Without planting a seed, watering that watering is useless. If there's no seed in the soil, no matter how much you water that soil, you can't. You're not watering anything. You're not fertilizing anything. See, it was God was moved by every need there was in the world. Every person's need would be met, and, and the person who had the worst need, need would be met the most because of the compassion of God. But I believe you need to plant a seed, which is God's word, and water that seed with prayer. Let me take you back on another verse, and I'm going to build on the stop. Okay, in First Peter one twenty-three, having been born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed through the word of God which lives and abides forever. I just quoted that a minute ago. I want to piggyback on that. i got to bring this back into the seed in just a moment in prayer. But having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. We are born again, not of Adam, corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by what? The Word of God. 
Okay? We are born again of an incorruptible seed by the word of God. The word seed here is, when you study it on the Greek, means sperm. Okay? We are born of supernatural union of the seed, the sperm of God's word. Most farmers, and here in Camarillo, California, we are in a farming uh, city. But most farmers believe that when you plant wheat, you're going to get what? Wheat. When you plant corn, you're going to plant corn. Most people don't question that. Most people believe that if you plant oranges, you're going to get oranges. If you plant apples, you're going to get apples. Most people don't argue with that. Why? Because there are laws of how God created that seed. If you plant an apple seed, now comes oranges. So that, that's not going to happen, first of all. Why? Because that will violate natural laws. You get two dogs together, and you're not going to have monkeys. Okay? You're going to have puppies. Why? Because that's how the laws work. Okay, everybody agrees with that from a natural perspective, but when it comes to spiritual things, most people don't believe that. If you aren't reaping what the Word of God says, I believe you haven't planted what the Word of God says you need to plant to get the harvest that you need. In other words, you reap what you so, Paul says this in Galatians, I don't have the verse on the screen, do not be mocked, don't be deceived. What a man reaps, he says it this way, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Okay? If the word of God is your primary, is primary in your life, you're going to get the results of the Word of God. If the Word of God, and the Word of God is a seed, we're born again not of corruptible seed, we're born again of incorruptible seed by what? The Word of God. The Word of God is a seed. The Word of God, just like with Mary, we, when we believe that Word, we were born again. We were, we were born again of that incorruptible seed by the Word of God. But that's how we became born again. But that same seed is in us. And when the word of God is the primary thing in our life that we are watering with our prayers. We're meditating on it day and night. We're watering it. We're fertilizing it. You're going to get what the word of God is supposed to produce. That doesn't mean Satan won't fight you. That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. But the end result is you're going to get what the Word of God says. Satan may fight you, but you will win. Many of us know this intellectually. Many of us know that we win at the end. Okay? But in our hearts, many of us, there's this fear of reservation called doubt call unbelief. Okay? In other words, many of us don't have the absolute 
confidence in the word of God that it will prevail in our lives no matter what Satan throws at us, no matter what's going at us. If we will plant the word of God in our hearts and we will meditate on that day and night, we will get what the word of God is planted to produce. But if we get the word of God, but we also have the cares of this world, and we plant both <coughs> the cares of this world in, in our mind, and we plant the word of God in our mind, but there's only so many nutrients in that soil, one of those seeds is going to be dominant. What seed in your mind, in your heart, is dominant? The cares of this world or the Word of God? <coughs> what do you meditate on day and night? Do you meditate day and night on the Word of God? Or do you meditate day and night on the cares of this world? How are you going to pay this bill? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? Are you worried about what the doctor said? Are you worried about COVID? Are you worried about the cares of this world? Or are you meditating day and night on, on what the doctor said? Are you meditating day and night on other things? Or are you meditating on the Word of God? I hope I'm making sense. I hope you're not being distracted by some things that we're just doing. But you, my point is, what seed are you fertilizing? What seed are you watering? Are you watering the Word of God through prayer? Because you, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it feels like. But I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to meditate on His Word. I know it, said, and it looks like this. I know it looks like the enemy's crap. <coughs> I know it looks like the enemy's coming in like a storm, like a flood. But I, the Word of God says... I will. The word of God says, by his stripes. I know the doctor said this. I know the doctor said I have this disease. I know the world is saying there's COVID. But my, my, my God says that by his stripes, I'm healed. I know my bank says this. I know my finances says this. But my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Am I making sense this morning? Everything we think. Everything we can be a seed. But we're not born a corruptible seed. We're not born of the seed of this world. We're born of this seed through the word of God. What seed are you watering? What seed are you fertilizing? What seed are you meditating on? Because that's the seed that will germinate. That's the seed that will gestate. That's the seed that will manifest and produce fruit. Okay? But many of us don't have the absolute confidence God's words is going to prevail in our lives. In Romans 8, 6, it says, To be carnally minded, to be naturally minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be naturally minded, folks, it doesn't just lead to death. It is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And we have to choose every day. What mind, is, are we going to have the mind of Christ? Or are we going to have the mind of this world? We're different. We think different. We act different. We talk different. We believe different. We receive different. We're believers. Okay? 
If all you think about is the Word of God, then guess what? That's what you're going to get. If all you think about is how everything's going to go wrong, and if all you think about is I don't have enough, if all you think about is I'm going to die, guess what? That's what you're going to get. So in other words, folks, what are you thinking? It says this in Proverbs. Uh, that, I didn't know. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess that's where I'm going to go. My sons, give attention to my words. Decline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for their life of those who find them, and the health of all the flesh. That's not the verse I thought I was going to go to, even though that's good, and that, that points to what we're just talking about. But the Bible also says in Proverbs, as a man thinketh, so is he. What are you thinking? Pay attention to his word. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your hearts because they are life to those who find and health of all the flesh. Folks, we need to keep God's word on the forefront of our mind. Not religiously, but we need to meditate. We need to mull it over. We need to fertilize in prayer. We don't we're not praying for God. We're not wishful praying. We are saying, Lord, your word says by your stripes I'm healed. My body doesn't look like it. My doctor's report doesn't look like it. My lab report doesn't look like it. But I command my body to line up to the word of God that says by your stripes I'm healed. Okay? If all you think about, if, you can, if you're going through a health crisis, if you're going through a financial crisis, and I encourage you to get in the Word of God and meditate day and night on all the scriptures regarding healing. All of the scriptures regarding finances. Whatever you need from God. Because all the promises are yes. All the promises are amen. And you need to meditate on that day and night. Why? Because you need to get this thinker to meditate on God's Word and not the problem. You need to meditate on the solution, not the problem. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind, not being conformed to this world. Okay? See, when God wanted to bring Jesus to earth, he couldn't just create Jesus. God gave authority over the earth to man. God did not just, God did not rule directly over the affairs of this world. But through the fall, through Adam, man made a mess and gave that authority that God gave to man. Man, Adam, gave that authority to the devil. And so God couldn't just come down and intervene with the affairs of man. <coughs> but through the but God, through the ages, through the prophets, and through the ages, there was prophecy speaking of a Messiah. And God would inspire by his spirit, he would inspire people to prophesy, like Isaiah. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. I'm paraphrasing. And there was other scriptures, there was hundreds of scriptures that prophesied the Messiah into being. Until finally there was one 
like Mary, where the Gabriel came and said, this is how it's going to be. And she responded with those most beautiful words and said, let it be unto me according to your word. And Jesus, we can see. And Jesus obeyed the same word all the way to the cross. And he brought salvation. He brought, he brought captivity captive. And he set the captives free. And he gave that authority back to man, back to his body, back to himself. Okay? But God couldn't just intervene through man outside his word, outside the laws that he established through his word. And God was looking, but God, it's unsaying Isaiah that God was looking for a man to flow through, but he couldn't find one. And so Isaiah says that he, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. God, through prophecy, brought Jesus to be our mediator, to intervene. And that's where, in the virgin birth, through Mary, the word of God was sent. And she received that word. And everything else about the birth, birth of Jesus was natural. Except for how he was conceived. By the word of God, by faith. When she said, let it be unto me according to your word. The rest of the, the, rest of the, uh, the birth of Jesus was all natural. Okay? But God spoke a miracle into existence. Into the womb of Mary. I believe every one of us has a spiritual womb where the Word of God enters in and germinates. And we conceive a miracle. Now I'm getting to the heart of my message. Okay. Sometimes you may receive a miracle as a gift through someone else's faith. That can happen. Okay. But how many of you know we can't depend on other people? God wants you, wants you to be able to conceive a miracle. I know it different than Andrew Womack or anyone else. We can all conceive a miracle because we all have the same Jesus. We all have the same word. We all have the same uh, 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 ability, the power, the same power to raise Christ from the dead is living on the inside of each of us. God wants each of us to meditate on his word day and night regarding healing, provision, miracles, and other things that we need. And when you meditate on his word day and night, that seed, and you meditate on that seed, you have a relationship with that seed, you will get spiritually pregnant, and you will bring forth fruits from that pregnancy. It's impossible to have a miracle without planting the seed of God's Word. I want you to hear me again. It's impossible to have a miracle without first planting the seed of God's Word. God's Word is the source. And some of us haven't had the seed of God's word planted in us, but we still want the crop. We still want the harvest. We still want the miracle. 
There's a time of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 9 talks about that. But we don't just naturally grow up believing God. None of us did. None of us popped out of the womb believing God. We had to grow up in Him and all things. It took time for us to hear the gospel, believe the gospel. And renew our mind to the gospel. But God's word is the most important step to receiving a miracle. You can't receive a miracle without God's word being planted into your heart. Planted into your mind. And you believe it and receive it. But God's word, knowing God's word, believing God's word, being established in God's word, is key to receiving a miracle. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You must meditate. You must meditate. Mull it over. The word of God. So that it becomes living and active on the inside of you. I should have had that verse. Oh, actually, it's the next verse here, coming up here. See, most of us don't meditate on the Word of God as we should. We, it's, like, it's not that we disbelieve the Word of God, even though there are those who do. We just are not spending enough time. We're spending more time with the doctor, what the world says, what's life, than we are in the Word of God. And we're wondering why this is not dominant in our life when everything else is dominant in our life. Okay? Many of us, we are occupied and don't have time for God's Word. And yet we are upset when we don't receive a miracle. And we're not, we're upset, not, we're not just upset, we're upset with God. We're upset with God for not performing the miracle when we're spending time with everybody and everything else but the Word of God. We're never getting the seed planted in us. It's, you know, expecting the crop. It's like a farmer who's ex <coughs> excuse me, expecting a crop. It's like a farmer who's expecting a crop, a harvest without planting any seed. Would you think a farmer would be foolish for expecting a crop without planting anything? And yet, many of us are upset with God for not seeing a miracle when we have not planted God's word in our hearts for that miracle. If God's word is planted in our hearts, beloved, we will receive. If God's word is planted in our hearts, we will receive. It doesn't matter how we feel, because God's word will produce a miracle. In Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to read from the ESV translation, For the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and of morrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's a lot here that's worth teaching on. 
But I'm just going to highlight right now that the Word of God is living and it is active. Most of us have had times when we have prayed a prayer of faith and our prayers seem to have gone unanswered. Maybe we got to God's Word and we planted a seed and we prayed for a miracle but nothing happened. And the problem is that is where many of us stop believing at that moment. And I'm going over, but I'm going to go over a little bit. Many of us, we're believing God for a miracle. We even got to God's word, as I've been saying. We planted a seed. We prayed for a miracle. We went through all the right steps. But then nothing happened. And so we stopped believing at that moment. It says in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. I want to read again. I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you have receive them, and you will have them. This is where most Christians misassemble. And I should have highlighted it on the screen. But the Word of God says to believe when you pray. Believe that you have them. When do you receive them? When you pray. When do you receive them? When you pray. Whatever you think you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When did you receive them? When you pray. The Word of God says, we believe when you pray, you will receive them. It says in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Will be, will be, will be, will be. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. However, when we don't see an immediate manifestation to prayer, we often say, well, not everyone receives. But that's not scriptural. Because the next verse says, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Everyone who asks, at receives. We sometimes, if we don't see the immediate answer, we give up and we say, well, not everyone receives. That's not what Scripture says. You're telling me not everyone receives based on your experience. I'm telling you everyone receives based on the Word of God. And I'm not getting on your case because I've been in your shoes. I've done what you've done. Most of us don't really believe this Scripture. We lose our excitement in the word, and don't expect it to work the way it says. Are you hearing me? Most of us don't believe the scripture. We lose our excitement in the word and don't expect it to happen the way it says. But we have a responsibility 
to bring about God's will. Some people believe that God's will comes to pass no matter what we do. But that's not true. That's not what the scripture says. God is bound by his own laws. God is bound by his own word. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that it's not God's will that any should perish. But people are perishing. People are going to hell. God's will does not automatically happen. Psalm 89, 34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. God has bound himself to his word. God gave authority, us authority over the devil. I don't have time to teach all of that right now. But we must exercise what God has given us. Most people interpret God's word by their experience. God's word says one thing, but this is what happened. I've been guilty of that too in the past. If someone doesn't get healed, or they don't receive the miracle, we make up our own theology and say, well, not everyone gets healed. Not everyone gets their prayers answered. God doesn't say no to something he already said yes to. All the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. We need to learn to interpret the, our circumstances by the word of God instead of God's word interpreting our circumstances. I said that wrong. Let me say that again. You need to learn to interpret your circumstances by God's word, not God's word by your circumstances. Let me say that again. You need to learn to interpret your circumstances by the Word of God and not the Word of God by your circumstances. Jesus is Lord, not your circumstances. Jesus is Lord, not your circumstances. Most of us have seen a promise in God's Word, believed it to the best of our ability, but it didn't come to pass. How do we harmonize? How do we harmonize the fact that God is true to his word, but it didn't happen? I believe there's a physical world and there's a spiritual world. The spiritual world created the physical world. The spiritual world is the parent force. There is a spiritual reality for everything that's physical. One of my examples of this, when you read the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, there's a war going on. And Elijah, Elisha, is a man of God on the scene. And his servant is gone weary because of the, the, the armies that have surrounded him. In the midst of this army surrounding them, Elijah says this, these words to his servant. He says, and Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire 
all around Elisha. Because Elisha has said, there's more with us than they are with them. You couldn't see the more with us with the natural eye. But Elijah, Elisha prayed that his servant, his eyes would be open, that he could see the chariots of fire that surrounded them. There weren't more physically, but there were more spiritually. The angels of God surrounded them, and Elisha spoke the truth. Some people say it's a lie to speak that you're healed when you don't feel healed. But that's operating by your five senses. Are we going to operate by our five senses like this young man did? Or are we going to operate in the spirit of faith like Elisha did? I believe that we are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. I believe that we're supposed to walk by the spirit and not after the flesh. I believe that there are spiritual realities that we cannot necessarily see in the natural realm. Jesus said this way, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh promises nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. I believe the Word of God is spiritual truth. And we are limited when we only think in the physical realm. Just because you can't see it, doesn't mean God didn't do it. I want to say this again. I'm, I'm trying to wrap, wrap this up. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God didn't answer your prayer. God always answers when we pray according to his will. And so you might say, well, I don't know his will. Well, if you've been around this long enough, you can read the archive, listen to the archive. I've been preaching for months. God heals everyone, everywhere, every time. By his stripes, you were healed. God wants you to prosper. Not just financially, but not excluding finances. God wants you to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And just because you haven't seen it with your natural eye doesn't mean that God did not answer your prayer when you prayed. And when you pray, you believe that you have it. You, that you have received it, and you will have it. See, when God answers your prayer, I believe he gives it to you in a spiritual form first. When God answers your prayer and you believe that you received it, I don't believe you receive it physically first. I believe you receive it spiritually first. He gives it to you in a spiritual form, in what I believe is called your spiritual womb. Where that word, that sperma, the sperm, his word, is conceived. If you ask for finances, I believe God releases a spiritual force, a power to produce finances. He gives you the power to get well, that he may establish his covenant in the earth. If you pray for healing, he gives it to you in your spiritual, spiritual form first. 
God's operation ends in the spiritual realm, independent of you. But faith, faith is the key, is the law that brings the answer from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. Again, it says in Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Your faith brings what God has accomplished, what God has answered in response to your prayer, into physical reality. God gives it to you in the spirit. Then faith brings it into the physical realm. Many times you don't know God has answered your prayer because you can't perceive it in the physical. Just like Elisha and his servant. You can't perceive it with the physical. But if you are in the Word of God and you know God, you can't perceive it in the spiritual. And you have to believe something is happening behind Beyond your five senses. God answers you when you pray. You believe it and receive it when you pray. And your faith will bring it into reality. If you don't believe it until you see it, you won't receive it. If you don't believe it when... If you don't believe it when you pray. If you don't believe if you don't believe it and receive it then, you won't receive it in the natural because that's not faith. The word of God says you have to believe it when you pray. And you will have it. So what happens between the time when you say Amen. And you say, there it is. What happens between the time you pray for something, you ask, you say amen to that prayer, and amen means so be it. And physically you say, there it is. What happens between that time period? If you pray and don't see the manifestation immediately, I believe God is waiting for you to stand against the devil and bring it into being. It's called the fight of faith. It's called authority. I believe Satan can use others to hinder your prayer. I can give you a big example in Daniel where that took place in other scriptures. But let me just give you some natural examples of this. If you're praying for finances and you're not seeing breakthrough, I believe you can intercede for the people God will use to bring prosperity into your life, through your business, through your church, through, whatever, through the work of your hands. Pray for them. If you're trying to sell a house, pray for the person who's trying to buy the house. That they have the provision to buy the house. If you're praying for a promotion at work, pray for the boss who will be used by God to give you that promotion. 
Many times there's a third party involved. And we can pray for the person who's involved. We can't micromanage. We can't, we're not, I'm not talking about doing witchcraft here. But we can pray whatever's blocking it, whatever's blocking God's provision, that it would be manifested. And so, here's another thing. Sometimes, some of you might be thinking, you don't have enough faith to believe in God for miracles the way I'm talking about this morning. The truth is, you can't get any more faith than you already have. It says in Romans 12, 3, For I say to you, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to the, as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We all have the same measure of faith. I like the King James because it, it reads according to the Greek uh, context. There's a definite article here, the measure of faith. Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said that he uses the faith of Jesus. If Paul used the faith of Jesus, you and I can use the faith of Jesus. You have the same amount of faith that Jesus had. And folks, that faith is enough. The faith of Jesus is enough. The faith of Jesus is enough. So, are we going to believe God for a miracle? I gave you a lot of notes this morning. I know I was reading my notes. But I encourage you to re-watch re this video. There's a lot of nuggets here. And you might say, David, it doesn't work that way. Well, don't wake me up. It's working for us. And I can tell you hundreds and thousands of people where this is working every day in our lives. It's called the law of faith. And we can receive what the Word of God says. We can see we can know his will if we know his word. Some of you don't know the will of God because you don't know the word of God. You can't. Excuse me. Sorry about that. You can't know the will of God outside the word of God. And if you're, if you're not in the word of God, you will always question the will of God. You need to have a relationship with the word. And then no matter what's going on in this world, what's going on in your life, You need to be more focused on the Word of God than your circumstances. And that'll be, that, no, there's, there's a lot of voices in our life. There's a lot of voices in this world. Even in the church, there's a lot of voices. And you need to choose. You're going to either believe God or you're going to believe man. <coughs> but if you will allow the Word of God to be dominant in your life, regarding healing, provision, and other things, you will have what the Word of God, the seed of God's Word produces. It's impossible to receive a miracle without the Word of God. 
it's also impossible to meditate on the Word of God day and night and not see results. If you plant the Word of God in your heart and your life and you meditate on that, it's impossible for the Word of God not produce in your life. That's like sowing seed in the ground and it being watered. It's impossible for you to stop the process. We just had some rain and our grass is growing for the first time we lived here. Why is there seed in the ground? They just needed some water. The seed was already there. Anyway, I hope this is ministered to you. I know I need to hear this message as much as you do. We need to be walking in this, folks. We are the church. We're believers. We believe. Let's start believing God. Let's start believing His Word. Let's start doing some miracles. Let's start raising the dead. Let's start healing the sick. Let's start seeing God do exploits in our lives. Because we believe God. We believe Him. We, we're, the, we're not the source. God's the source. We can't make God do anything that His Word, His will that it says. But if God's promised it, we can believe it and we can have it in Jesus' name. Not for our glory, not for our honor, but for His honor. To do what He called to do and be what God called to be. Those things Sherry and I are praying for, for our personal life, for our church, for our ministry, for our business. So that we can do what God's called to do. And that we believe we will receive the things that we ask for when we ask according to his word. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk soon.